Yes. Yes, yes. I'm trying out something new. I'm actually facing you guys now. So when I talk to you, Charlie, I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, this is actual pre-workout. Oh, my skin is on fire. Welcome to Eat the Blank Page. My name is Victor Rowe, and I'm hoping everyone is having a wonderful day. Now, my episode on Monday got a little interrupted by a lot of feelings uh, Victor was having. My editor, Hunter, was also feeling them as well. Uh, we are cut from the same cloth. But with that, I have an actual episode planned out for uh, everyone, and I hope it goes well. Uh, yeah, it got a little, it got a little intense. And I called some people out that I don't know, but you know, neither here nor there. Go check it out. It's episode 14. It's uh, on YouTube and Spotify. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This episode is going to be out on YouTube and Spotify because welcome to episode 15. Celebration. And we are celebrating. Drinks are on you though. So one of the biggest things about this podcast is that it's actually for writers believe it or not if you ever see me turn to the right it's just to make sure i'm recording so sorry uh this podcast is actually for writers it's not for readers but i think it is broad enough that if you enjoy storytelling if you enjoy i don't know anything with deep lore or being told about things if you like literature video games, movies, we talk about all of them, and I'm a writer. So I'm actively learning new things about storytelling, and I'm taking examples from stories that I see that are on video games, that are on movies and books and all that stuff, like I just mentioned. So I'm going to be a wealth of information about all of those things and putting them into practice and tools and tips and tricks and you know, I don't know how long to stare directly at the camera. You know, I never, I was never taught that one, but I'm learning it and uh, it hurts my eyes. <laughs> Let's make this a short one today, shall we? <laughs> so one of the biggest things I did over the past oh, two weeks, a uh, month, I, uh, I went to Barnes and Noble. I know, crazy, a brick, a brick and mortar in 2014 with Amazon at our fingertips. I went with my partner for our one year anniversary and it was actually very sweet uh because she's been getting into writing and you know i'm a writer no she's, she's been getting into reading and since i'm a writer and you know it's it's a nice little bonding thing going on right now i can't tell you how impactful that one trip was i made a short little film of it it's on my youtube uh, go check it out. I think I think it's called like a trip to Barnes and Noble or something. And it's just us going around and messing with with puppets in the kids section. And we were just joking around the entire time. But I felt like I was a kid again back at the Scholastic Book Fairs and just walking around my library at school. When we had the chances to go, uh, I was part of the after school program where they kind of just like have you there and keep you in a library maybe teach you some things it's really for the kids whose parents both work and so they can't be at the house later that day and this was like young this is like fourth fifth grade so it's called little shaders and i remember being in the library a lot 
just looking at books, learning about sharks and fish and wildlife. Wildlife was my main thing. I wanted to be a biology teacher for a little bit there, but it was always about animals. I always thought they were very interesting. But then I started to read actual stories and books and nonfiction stuff, which I consider stories. Um, I know nonfiction people are going to be up in arms about that, but hey, fiction till I die. Uh, nothing's real. Ha ha ha. <laughs> it was there where I really started to feel a feeling of acceptance, but I didn't know what it was yet. Now that I'm older and I've been through a lot more than I did when I was in fourth grade, I definitely can't unfeel that feeling I felt when I walked back into that Barnes and Noble. And I hadn't been in a bookstore in seven years, you know, I always just buy myself off Amazon because, you know, I'm busy, busy, busy. And just being in there was like healing an inner part of myself, like, like healing my inner child. I would just by being in there, just by seeing other people who enjoyed to read. And it gave me the same kind of feeling I when I went to my first concert. My first concert I ever went to was Grey Day Tour. I went to the show in Philadelphia because I live right next to there. And if you don't know what Grey Day Tour is, uh, neither do I. But my two, <laughs> my two favorite artists, Ghost Mane and Suicide Boys, or Money Sign, Uwasi Money Sign, Uwasi Boy, Money Sign, were performing there. And it was... It was unreal because these people, uh, keep in mind, I've never been to a concert before. And this was last year. So I'm 22 now. I was 21 then. First concert at 21. It was the first time I had been around that many people who all enjoyed the same kind of music that I like. Because I was so out of left field for everyone that's in my town and everyone I went to school with and most of the people I talked to the people that listened to dark trap were the people I rarely got along with but I came to realize it was just those people in my area so it's like I had a small pool to pick from you know what I mean those songs although they may be dark and you know very very difficult to listen to if you're not ready for them saved my life at a lot of different points and gave me comfort when I felt none. And then there they were, the people who wrote those songs and the voices that I had associated with comfort for so long, they were on that stage. It was such a surreal feeling that they were there and we were all in the same room and there were so many people who knew more words to those songs than I did. And there was such an energy. There was a, there was a union between everyone. It was, it was fantastic. People wasted out of their minds, helping me and my girlfriend find our seats. It was kind of beautiful. You know what I mean? There was no stress. I, I wasn't expecting that feeling because I'm always the kind of person who goes, why would you go to a concert? Why wouldn't you just listen to the songs on Spotify? Well, it's for the experience. You could just watch a movie on Netflix, pay the monthly fee, chill in your own pajamas, in your own house, and a lot of people like to do that. But it's an experience to go to the movie theater. It's also an experience to go to a concert. And I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir, but as someone who only recently figured that out, I will let you know. Kind of rocked my world for a few months there.
but it was the same experience actually going to a bookstore. Because I felt like I was just that kid again, you know, back at the Scholastic Book Fair, looking at all the stories I wanted to read. And oh, I was panicking about how much time I didn't have to read them, even though I was very young. And if I had just started, I would have been able to. But hey, self-loathing otherwise. <laughs> it was a nice feeling in my chest, I guess. I don't know. Like I said, it was kind of like healing my inner child. But it's not... It's not that it was such a unique feeling. It was also kind of the emergence of a realization that I had kept myself from by not going to these bookstores is that I want more than anything to have my work in those stores. My personal like writing work. I don't even know if I introduced the episode right. I've been rambling on about a bookstore <laughs> for what, nine, ten minutes? This is Eat the Blank Page. Uh, no, yeah, it is for writers. Yeah, 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 I did the thing. I'm a, I'm a good producer. I'm a self-producer. It helped me realize that it was ugh, writing was always going to be where I ended up, no matter where I went. In When I was in high school, I did theater, right? I think I've talked about that a few times now, where I got a lot of the lead parts, not like the main character, but like a side character that had a song or two or had a good chunk of lines for every time I went to go audition for something. And hey, I'll retell the story really quick. So I would get all these lead parts and whether they be side parts, whether they be main characters, whatever. No, I already, I already told it wrong. They were all side parts. So it was only like one or two songs. It was, I was one of the backup guys, but I was a named character. I had my own costume fitting. I had my own numbers that I would dance and sing and I was the villain a lot I don't know why but I was just this taller guy who could carry a note and kind of listen to direction and you know I apparently I was an okay actor but I felt such a love for acting and such an acceptance from the people who were in my school who did it I was so lucky because it is so clicky now and it's so not a good place to be but when I was first coming in there in seventh and eighth grade, it was amazing. And I fell in love with it and I thought I was going to be an actor forever and that that wasn't going to be my thing. And it was, oh, it was, it's just, it was caught for me. But I had always gotten a part. I had never been in the background. And you were only truly tested if you're really meant to do something or really want to do something when you suck at it. You need to suck at it. Even if it's comparatively, you need to suck at the thing that you want to do for the rest of your life to make sure you know you want to do it for the rest of your life. It is a must. It is a necessity. Do not lead your life on a false promise you made yourself because you just feel good by doing the thing that you're good at doing. If you don't suck and try better, you're never going to understand if it's actually the thing for you. Please go out and fail as much as you physically can. It will teach you things about yourself that you will not learn otherwise. And it will give you an insight on what it's like to lose the art of dying itself. And then the appreciation for your efforts and for the opportunity to actually win and do well at something. Please go lose just to make sure it's what you want to do. That out of the way. I quit theater because I got bullied out of it. But... After I graduated high school, it was 2020, so COVID hit, and my whole senior year got kind of wrecked. 
But two years after that, in 2022, I went to audition for something again. And it was a little, you know, playhouse in the town over. And I went expecting people my age, like young 20s, maybe late teens. And these were 30 and 40 year old people who go and they like to act and act. And that's what they want to do. And they have their own portfolios and they're really trying to go for it. And I realized something about myself that I'm not built to be an actor. And I never actually was. I was good enough on a high school level, but I wasn't good enough when I got out into the real world and people who were actually trying to do it and the people who wanted to be their thing. But where I did excel was in analyzing their ability, was in trying to match up characteristics, trying to match up attitudes, takes on a character to the rest of the story at large, what you could make out of it. The script itself, the story itself, is what I was drawn to more and more. And so I did one take of one scene, and they already decided that I was not good enough to keep going. Fine. Okay. I begged them to stay in the room as they kept going on. I was like, dude, listen, I know I'm not in the show. I get it. I just want to see them do their thing. It's such a positive, it's such like a it's like a blanket that gets wrapped around me and it's just going, yeah, 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 do this, yeah, 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 yeah. No, this is sick. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> and everything's so much more fun and exciting. And even if it's just me by myself watching a musical on YouTube, I still get that feeling. And so some days when I'm feeling really down, I'll watch something and it like reinvigorates everything else. But what the hell was I talking about? Oh yeah. I realized that I was geared more for being a director, right? Because I was looking at everything. I was piecing everything together. I wanted to be in everyone's ear. Like, yo, I think John's really good right now. And when I went to go talk to them, uh, the people that were running the playhouse and the people I, I was trying to play, like, networker, like, I was like, hey, uh, my... Here's, here's uh, my name. I'm Victor. Uh, look me up. I had ideas for plays that I wanted to put on that were different, that were uh, scary, that were disturbing, that were fun, that utilizes different themes, and it's not cookie-cutter stuff, but still good enough to where you could watch it and understand why it's a popular, very popular thing, and it's not based off of a gimmick. The gimmick is just so there's, there's something new in the scene, not tap dancing Spongebob, even though I love the Spongebob musical. And it was that drive that brought me to where I am now in being a writer. Yeah, I'm writing a book, but I also have a play going on in the background. You know, it's slower than the book, but um, that's just because I'm trying to get this big project out so that I can work on my smaller projects so that I can set up I don't know, like a podcast or something with like an online presence. So I don't need to work a nine to five and I can just do stuff online and, you know, bring amazing stories and really hone my craft for you guys. And it'll be sick if it works out, you know, like I, I had a 2.4 thousand uh, view video the other day. That was awesome because my best beforehand was 400 on YouTube. And uh, yeah, I feel like a celebrity, but it was the realization that 
I was in the right spot. You know, I was in the right area. I enjoyed stories and I enjoyed performances and I enjoyed theater and I enjoyed that kind of nerdy vibe of, oh my gosh, the thematical undertones of the banana on the counter is really blowing my mind right now, man. That's what I fell in love with is just that people like that would feel like how I felt about stuff that I thought no one cared about. Just like the concert that I went to for songs that I thought no one else knew the words to, and they did. It's that kind of same energy that I got. And once I found out that I was in the right space, I took off running. I was like, all right, I need to find my thing. Directing? No. Lighting? No. Set design? Mm, maybe. Uh, if it helps tell a story. <gasps> if it helps tell a story. Writing? Oh, I could be a writer, couldn't I? I'm really good at improv, and I'm really good at uh, thinking deep about things, and I have really off-the-wall ideas sometimes, and I can just ramble on for hours. Maybe I should start a podcast, I don't know. Um, I found writing, and it has been the most fulfilling, the most fun, and the most rewarding thing I've ever done with my life, <laughs> and I don't even have any workout yet. And it's just, when you find your thing, right? And maybe I'll change my mind in five years' time or whatever, but I really don't think I will. When you find your thing, you fall in love with practicing the thing. You fall in love with the grind, if you want to call it that. One of my biggest pieces of wisdom that I try to push out every episode, that's a lie. I don't try to push it out every episode as much as I can, is the idea that you can learn a lot from places you never thought you could. There's a lot to learn from things that you might not give it credit for just because it's in a different field just because it's in a different situation doesn't mean you can't learn lessons from it that's the entire basis of what storytelling is is telling a story with conflict interest characters that learn lessons that overcome triumphs so that we can learn from them it's what i love about storytelling so when i watched a kobe bryant video talking about how he would practice for two hours every two hours and he enjoyed practice more than he enjoyed games it was crazy he literally said games are my day off like playing a game is his day off like his work days are getting into the gym and getting his shots and getting his speed drills down and his workouts in and all this other stuff taking care of his body making sure he's making the right calls educating himself on the game that's where the work is and when he's able to actually perform and get out there and do his thing, it's a, it's joyous. But he's fallen in love with the training part of it, which is what I've fallen in love with. This is the writing part. Um, God, marketing and publishing and editing and trying to get everything together is kind of a headache. But it's for my thing. And thus, it's necessary and I have to do it. And I just got to suck it up sometimes. But please just hear that piece of advice that you can learn something from anything. You can learn something from anyone. It's my little tidbit. Let me uh, take a soup. I'm telling this story for way longer than I wanted to. But yeah, that's kind of the whole wrap up thing. That there was that energy that I felt between me and writing and being around the people in theater, just like I did at the concert. And it's experiences like that that can place a lot of pieces together for you 
it, it's that kind of wake-up call that can help you analyze your life in a way that you probably didn't think you could beforehand and bring you into a new phase of your life where you're going to do things that you might not think possible and you're going to go places that you're probably scared to go. But just like any good video game, the places you find the enemies is the right way to go. Makes you think. Makes you think. <laughs> yeah, when I find now who are the bad guys, when I find those people who want to put me out of my... Get me out of my field. want to get my way. Back to where I'm going. Straight through them. Like Master Chief. I'm the literary Master Chief. <laughs> my God. Oh my God. This pre-workout's got me going crazy. It's not even pre-workout. It's, it's C4, not sponsored. I should probably try to share a lesson with you guys, right? Like, it's really that. It's... If you're a writer, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. It's that feeling that you get when you find someone who's like you. And I think that's why I was so upset when last episode when I was talking about Matt Pat retiring from YouTube is um it's like you lose it's like you lose a connection there. And you lose a connection to a whole community, even though you still have the community and it's doing better than it's ever done before and blah blah blah. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Keeping forward with giving you guys as much content as I can and providing some nice new outlook on stories that have been done to death, that have been analyzed and thought through. I want to help you guys eat your blank page, you know, push through with your creative thought, help you start that story, help you get that idea that you're trying to get to spearhead your next project one of the biggest things with any story is setting and this is something that i'm learning within my own personal practice that setting is very much character within itself because it has personality and it has rules to it it has a history it has you can find if you have a very unique setting you can have all your characters have their own outlook on it some people think it's amazing that you're in a let's say you're, like you're in a spaceship right some people think the spaceship's amazing some people look at it as just another job some people think it's stupid and they don't want to be on there and from those outlooks you can learn more about your setting and thus learn about your characters by reacting to something that you are also reacting to being the setting and it all flip-flops on top of each other right so it's just a lot of learning going on when you kind of treat your setting like its own character. How can I tell you this the best that I can? I know. Imagine a field, right? Imagine a field of grass. And it's just a field of grass. There's nothing on the grass, right? Now, if that's your setting, field of grass, you ain't got a whole lot to work with, right? If you have character B, and they are a 5-6 Latino guy. Not a whole lot to work with, right? You have more to work with a 5-6 Latino guy than you do with Field of Grass. Let's have average, average woman 
as character B. Are you going to tell a story with a bland, cookie-cutter kind of thing like human woman? You know, you need to have personality. You need to have a story. You need to have a quirk about them. You don't need to, but... If their quirk is that they're a normal person around crazy people, it's still a quirk. You know what I mean? It's something that you want to pay attention to. It's the point of having a character in a story. You're making a story, giving it out to people in a narrative sense, learning lessons, traversing a world that you've created, even if it's the real world. But the world that you're giving out to your readers is this world with these characters in it and these perspectives and these conflicts and these problems and these solutions that's what you're giving out to your reader, right? So why would you ever want to give them a boring character, right? Unless the fact that they're boring counterplays other creative and exciting characters, that is the only time. But that is already too many rules, and I am going to shove my foot in my mouth even harder. Let's do it. I can tell you exactly how to make this field of grass exciting. Spectacular, even. And here's an example, right? This is not a page to prompt. Do not treat it as one. It is an example for my writers out there who are struggling a little bit. If your story takes place in a field of grass, you can't really get anything from that. In the same way that if you gave it a history, if you gave it a quirk, and you gave it this kind of tone through both of those things, right? So instead of having it just be a field of grass, mention that it was a battlefield of a great and devastating war many, many years ago. If it's like um, a low fantasy or high fantasy story, it fits really well with like nations and stuff. If it's like a, if it's a realistic fiction, you can have it be like the Battle of Gettysburg. I don't know. But you have this field of grass that was a, actually was a war zone many years ago and ever since then no one's been able to walk on this field of grass why haven't they been able to walk on the field of grass you're asking oh my gosh i just got you with a hook it's a quirk and it's special and it's cool and it's like oh my god what's so what's going on over here and the importance of a quirk lets you give your own interpretations onto whatever we're talking about, this being the setting. And then, because it's a setting, and all of your characters are going to exist within the setting, you can use your characters as lenses of other points of view onto the setting. So, just by having the phrase, I don't even, you don't even know why yet. You don't even know why people can't walk on this field of grass. You don't know if it's rules. You don't know if it's a spell. You don't know if it's moral obligation. You don't know anything. But it's the unknown directed towards a known fact that makes people interested. You know something, but it's kind of like you have a telescope and you're looking at something far off into the distance and it is covered in a cloud, right? If you've ever played Sea of Thieves or you've ever been on a boat and you can't see something out there but you know something's out there, oh, it's curious. Oh, I'm thinking about it now and I'm interested and I'm going to read your story, magic man. That's the point. Let me continue. It is a field of grass. It was a war zone many years ago. No one has walked on this field of grass for many years. 
because the blades of grass resemble blades of war much more. <laughs> Even setting foot on a patch of grass would impale the bottom of your shoe and cut you and your blood would seep into the dirt and then grow more grass and it would just expand and it's an SCP now and it's a monster. Oh my god. <laughs> You know, it's when you add a nice little to whatever's in your story that you can then just go into with it. And never be afraid to expand on an idea because it's when you kind of, when you go, and your idea blows up a little bit, your characters, depending on how many you have, or if you have one really thoughtful character, Shinji, I'm looking at you, it can really push it into the realm of unbelievably interesting because now you have these different perspectives of each character you have a pessimist you have an optimist you have a realist you have people who are just trying to sell wares from their traveling shop you have the newbie adventurer you have a veteran who fought on that battlefield and when he steps on it because he's connected to the setting the the blades part way for his foot, allowing him to walk onto it, allowing him to mourn his fellow brethren who have died and fallen and have become one with the soil and with the grass. And he alone is able to walk on this field and it's like a symbolism for uh, respect or something, you know, make it artsy, you know what I mean? The best thing you can do is leave a black and white outline of a picture. Think about a coloring book. You leave just enough space for people to know what the hell's going on, but for them to then grab and form their own conclusions about a story. But you can't do it too much and you can't do it too little. It's a, it's a, it's a song and dance kind of rhythm where you need to figure out what that distance is for yourself and in your own stories. How much lore do you want to have before you go into it? Do you want to have nothing, and so everything could be something? Do you want to have very set, steadfast rules that you can then create twists from? You can have things building up throughout the story that you only catch on your second read-through. You can have lots of things going on. It's just you need to decide a few different things first. What are the quirks? What makes your story interesting to tell? Is it another fantasy story? I have one of those. I have a whole line of books ready to go. Not ready to go, but like ready to start writing that is genuinely a generic fantasy story. It's just that, well, it's a generic fantasy world. It's just that the story I want to tell in it is unique to me and a story that I want to tell. But it's not unique. I'm dealing with demons and fairies and knights and wizards and stuff you know what i mean it's deciding okay okay is this story gonna be something that they tell for ages to come or is this gonna be on one of those tiktoks of like hey if you like this kind of story and you want to get into fantasy here's this book series and then it's like that's where you that's where you like celebrate Maybe I'm looking too pessimistically on it, but that's just my point of view. Oh my god, I tied it back to what I'm talking about. <laughs> I should drink more of this. I'm, I'm amped right now. <laughs> but yeah, please guys, 
this is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you with a call to action really quick. Share, like, subscribe to the YouTube and the Spotify. I appreciate it. Check out my shorts. They're the highlights of my episodes. Check out the page you to prom for earlier in this week. The new vote starts in two days this Saturday from when you're hearing this. It is 1-12-24. If you're past that date, shut up. It is Saturday when the vote is going out for next Monday's podcast or next Monday's page you to prompt, which will be in Monday's podcast. You know what I'm talking about. However, I hope everyone had a wonderful time. I hope everyone learned something and anyone that could pay attention to all of my rambling, I appreciate you immensely. But with that, I hope everyone has a wonderful day. Goodbye.